Hey, it's Tuesday, March 31st, the last day of the month, and we are back into 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. We're continuing through this, and we were taking a verse at a time, but uh, we've kind of slowed down here in verse 5 because we've got multiple things that we were supposed to add to our faith. So jump back into this, take a look at your devices, or pull your Bible out, and you can remember here the context. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith, to add to your faith, to work and add to your faith every effort. And the first thing we're to add to our faith, we looked at last time, virtue. That's what we dealt with yesterday. Now today, we're supposed to add to our virtue, it says, knowledge. Knowledge. That's such a big and important biblical concept. Now, there's a lot of things you can say that is bad about knowledge. But before we even talk about the warnings, let's talk about the good thing that clearly is here that I'm supposed to expend every effort to add knowledge to my faith and my virtue. So uh, let's think this through. The concept of knowledge is really so fundamental to the Christian life. It's about us thinking thoughts, even as the verse over my shoulder says, that are transforming my life because of the renewal of my mind. My mind is engaged in learning. Now think about that. I, I talk about how this is so bagged upon so often. I was reading a pastor today, an article that he wrote, and uh, basically tossing this out the window about his preaching, didn't want it to be about learning and taking notes. And I just, listen, this is so fundamental to the words that are used. The disciple, you might remember I talked about, was the word for a learner. Uh, we have teachers, we have preachers, there's lecturing, there's uh, a, a manuscript of scripture that is to be uh, exposited to people. We see constantly throughout the book of Acts, them taking the Bible and logically and rationally explaining all of that. I mean, you cannot remove the learning process from the concepts and definition of Christianity. Um, so anyway, that's a good place for us to start, that that's fundamental. Now, here's something you need to understand about knowledge in the scripture. It doesn't come through osmosis. It doesn't come easily. You don't get it by just relaxing. Matter of fact, just the opposite. Let me read this for you. You might want to turn there real quick if you can get there. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. I mean, listen carefully when it speaks about this knowledge and understanding and wisdom that we get from God and about God. Uh, listen how it's described. Number, number one, verse one. My son, if you receive my words and you treasure up my commandments, words and commandments, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, Note this carefully now, verse four. If you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Right? God has inscripturated. He is codified. He's put into black and white, into propositional statements, his mind on paper. The Bible is not man's best thoughts about God. It's God's words and his thoughts on paper. And that then becomes our task to learn it, to study it. And it says in that passage, it's like seeking out a hidden treasure, like silver or gold or mining things that you have to go in and work hard to get out. Listen, uh, the passage I referenced last time about knowledge in the Christian life in, as it relates to virtue, that to know the virtues, the 
the moral good that God presents to us in the Bible, we have to work to understand it. It's the constant pursuit and quest of the Christian. Let me read again from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9. It speaks of the fruit of light is found in all that is good, right, and true. We were dealing with that last time, all the goodness, the moral goodness of God. And then it says in verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. And again, as I often say, that idea of discerning what's pleasing to the Lord is not found by us just using our imagination and sitting around passively hoping for internal impressions and feelings. It's about us looking at what God has written, what the Spirit of God has written down for us, and for us to learn it, to understand it, to rationally interact with it. That's the center of the Christian life, really. So much of what the Christian life is about is about ascertaining that information that God has given us. So many people like to talk about the Spirit of God as though that's all about feelings. I can't get around the fact that there's lots of things in the Scripture that relate to my feelings as it relates to the Spirit. He convicts me of sin. That's a bad feeling. He can prompt me and and, and give me that constraint to do something, the work and pressure of the Spirit in my life. But so much of what the Spirit is credited with doing in the Bible is giving us His Word. He has moved people along, the Bible says, the prophets of Scripture, to write down His thoughts God's thoughts on paper, and that is his work. I mean, the Spirit of God is holding out a book to us, and he's saying, you need to understand this. And of course, then the Bible says that he's gifted the church, the Spirit of God has, he's gifted the church with particular people in the church that are gifted to teach it, to go and plumb the depths of Scripture and be able to present it in ways that are understandable, digestible, ways that we can get it in our minds. So knowledge needs to be added to our Christian life. It needs to be something we labor at. Now, Let's talk about a few things because I know a lot of people like to start here that we need to be careful of. Let me quote this passage for you. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 7. There is a problem with some people, and you may think of them immediately when you think about me promoting the fact that you need to work hard, make every effort to add knowledge to your Christian life. You may think of people that are like this. Verse 7, 2 Timothy 3. It says, they're always learning, but never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Now, you know people, they might be all about Bible verses, and they might be all about knowing things theological or doctrinal, but you look at their life, you look at the way they treat people, you look, at the, you look for the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kind of, and you don't see that in their lives. I understand that. There's plenty of that. And so we need to warn ourselves as we think about adding knowledge to our Christian life that it has to start with God. It is always about God. It is about knowing God. It's about appropriating what God says so I can learn about his moral standard. I can learn about his virtue and I can reflect that. God is holy. He's good. He's loving. He's just. All the things in scripture that describe him, his attributes, those that can be reflected by human beings, I need to be able to start with that that high elevated view of God. We talk around here about having a high view of God and a high view of scripture. Well, it always starts in that order. We think greatly about the God who gave us the Bible, and then we exalt his word because God in our minds is exalted. Listen to this passage as I think about the importance of scripture um, being the reflection of God's greatness uh, and us starting with God. We have to acknowledge that the word has dominion over us, that we don't sit in judgment of it. Proverbs chapter 1 Verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Listen to that again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We exalt 
in our minds the idea of our creator, and then we think about the book that he's revealed to us, we have a high view of God, and then we have a high view of scripture. But that word is above us. It's not as though we're looking at something, to use these spatial analogies, that's beneath us, and we sit in judgment of that, and we pick and choose, as some people do, and they may be masters of the data, but they don't have that in line with their uplifted eyes, if you will, at the greatness of God. We value and revere and hold highly the Spirit's work in writing the Bible because we have a high view of God. It all starts with God. It is about God. The fear of the Lord, having that sense of reverence and awe for, for, for God is where we start to really understand the Bible as it is to be understood. Here's, again, speaking of spatial analogies, where we should go when we think about this uh, adding to our faith knowledge. The idea of us having it laid up within us. And I guess there's a sense in the spatial analogy of thinking about the Bible kind of being on us or even being, you know, a part of what we interact with. It's there in our eyes. It may be in our mouth or in our ears, but it has to penetrate, to use this spatial analogy, into our hearts. The idea of, of this, I think, is, is so um, helpful in some of the words that are used in Scripture. Proverbs chapter 10, it says, "...the wise lay up knowledge." And, and the idea there, the Hebrew word has to, has to deal with it. They treasure it. They put it in a secret place in their lives. The Hebrew word has to do with that which is hidden. They take the word of God and they get it all the way down where it's not just bouncing off of their mouth. Do you get this picture I'm trying to paint? That they're not just getting the data and being able to say it or recite it or just, you know, be all about recalling its information, but it's got to penetrate into where they live. It has to get into their, their lives. Uh, John chapter 5, Jesus is talking to people that knew the scriptures. They knew it in their minds, if you will. They knew it at, at a surface level in terms of their intellect, but it never penetrated their hearts. Listen to these words from John 5, verses 38 through 40, as Jesus is dealing with the Pharisees and the scribes and the teachers of the law. He says, you do not have God's word abiding in you. Again, there's that spatial analogy. You don't have it in your lives. It's not there. Uh, because if you did, you'd believe the one whom he sent. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. You search them. It's like it's there on the surface of your eyes and your ears, and you're engaged in its intellectual pursuit. It says, but um, they really bear witness about me. The triune God is the focus of this, right? And yet you refuse to come to me that you might have life. The word of God has to get past the surface of our thinking, past the surface of our minds, and we have to allow it to get to the place where it grips and changes our heart. And that's an intermediate step to simply saying, you got to make sure that you apply it. You have to make sure that the word of God is not just something you entertain in your thinking, but it comes through in what you do. Not just reciting it, not just reflecting it and bouncing it off in, in your mouth, but being able to see it change the way you live. Uh, look at the context. If you've got 2 Peter up, go up to verse, uh, go down to verse number 8. It says, if these qualities, and we've dealt with so far, faith, which is the foundation, and virtue, and now knowledge, it says, if these qualities are yours and increasing, they will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we start with the ideas of faith. That's fundamental, makes us right with God, right? That's the picture. We have virtue, the moral virtue of God, this high view of God, and that is to be reflected. Well, the thing that's there up at the very beginning is knowledge. That knowledge then is we're going to look through this list because there's a ton of things here that get to the practical. Self-control in verse 6, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, love. All of those things, it says, if you have those things and they're increasing, then you won't be 
unproductive in your knowledge. There's a lot of Christians that are stagnated in their Christian life. And it's because the word of God is simply a mental exercise. It's not getting down to where they live. And frankly, to put it very simply, they learn something from the Bible and they don't put anything into practice. Second Peter chapter two, if you scroll down to that passage in verse 20, it says there are people, non-Christians, that interact with Christian information all the time and they are not saved. There are people that may have escaped some of the defilement in the word in the world by the knowledge of our Lord, and yet they go and they become entangled in that again. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. They, they kind of interact with it on a surface level, and it proves that it never changes who they are. They never really know God through that information, and they end up going back to the way that they lived before. So you can be a Christian, and you can be stagnant or unproductive in the knowledge that you encounter, and you can be a non-Christian and know a lot of information about God, like Judas did, and yet not be saved. Well, we got to get all of this into a very plain place in our thinking about interacting with the word and putting it into practice. You have everything you need. Look at verse three again. You have everything you need that pertains to life and godliness, and it's all through the means or by the means of the knowledge of him who called us into his glory and excellence. That idea of putting that as the goal, the, the, the portal that I go through to have all of the things that God has planned for me to be a new person in Christ, to be effective and fruitful, it comes through knowledge. Chapter 1, verse 2, that's how the book started. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Those ideas so fundamental to the Christian life that we have these things happening, changing, transforming, fruitful, productive, all the things that God has for us to equip us for life and godliness to be multiplied in our lives, the peace and grace that God has planned for us, it comes through knowledge. So I want to ask you as we wrap this up, how are you doing? Number one, taking in the knowledge of God, studying the scripture, and how are you doing getting it past the surface of your thinking into your heart, into application? Are you a hearer of the word or are you a doer of, of the word who puts it into practice? That's the goal. Jesus says, if you are, you're like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. A lot of people here, that's as far as it goes. It may get into their mind, get it into your heart this week. We're gonna continue on in this passage tomorrow. We'll move on to this next section in verse number six, talk about self-control. Thanks for listening to today's uh, Bible study. We hope that you subscribe to this channel on YouTube or go to the podcast and make sure you're subscribed so you can get this every single day.